Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Mike and I are doing this special weekend edition on Saturday, June 10th, the morning of. We were at the Pork Expo Wednesday through Friday, and we had the chance to sit down with Dr. Paul Sundberg, and we really felt like we needed to include a little weekend extra for you guys because he had a lot of good insight, especially for producers in the pork industry. Isn't that right, Mike? You know, that's exactly right. World Pork Expo is one of those things where I think, at least I speak for myself, my brain was as full as my tummy by the time we were done there, <laughs> eating our way through and talking to uh, Dr. Sunberg. So yeah, yesterday we heard a little bit about the background of the Swine Health Information Center. And today, Delaney, we want to talk about what SHIC, or SHIC, is doing to hopefully make life easier for pork producers out in the countryside. Is there anything we didn't cover that you feel like you need to get out there? Well, here's the thing. Here's <laughs> Barb's the thing. got the list. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'll tell you one thing. One of the things that that um, we're also working on as a as a project that is important to producers that that, that okay. could very very well end up being critical at some point. Um, we've had in the industry, we've had instances where there have been um, high, high amount of morbidity or mortality in a finishing floor most probably, but in other areas as well, where the producer goes through the diagnostics and, and comes up and, say, and the diagnostic lab says, we're really not sure what happened. Uh, we had an example of a finishing floor uh, in north central U.S that um, put 800 pigs on the floor. And within two weeks, they had all died. Oh. A USDA went out there and they did a um, foreign animal disease investigation. Said, oh my gosh, we gotta figure out what this was. What they did, which is what their job was, they came out and told them what it wasn't. They said, it's not foot and mouth. It's not classical swine fever. We don't know what it is, but we know that it's not one of those. Hmm. And that was the end of it. Now the producer had lost all his pigs and there's some altruism of, well, maybe we should find out just in case. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you go, hey, I've spent all my money. I don't have any money to put into that anymore. Right. Somebody's got to fill that gap as well. Okay. And when that happens, in, in those kinds of instances, um, the, the veterinarian, the diagnostician of the case, and the, the, the pathologist for the Swine Health Information Center get together and look at the case and decide whether or not the initial diagnostics have been done. If they have been satisfied, then we're gonna give people money to go ahead and try to fill that, that mm -hmm. void and find out what it is. So but, it's possible at the end of five years of, of Schick's existence that you could be identifying new diseases or at least new threats that producers aren't concerned about today. That's right. Wow. And, and we've already had, it, had some instances of that. Hmm. Um, now, we haven't gone through all of the verification of this causes that, but there is an association, and, and a virus called sapillovirus um, is associated with central nervous system signs, with, with um, paralysis, with muscle tremors, with pigs not being able to get up and walk to the feeder. Um, some of it has been pretty significant losses and we've been able to identify an association at least with this new virus and we're keeping an eye on that. Mm. Um, we're asking the diagnostic labs to help us by reporting to us 
um, how many of these types of cases they get every month so we can keep an eye on whether this is truly an emerging disease or whether it's something that uh, that's just ongoing, but we should keep an eye on. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So the Swine Health Information Center is helping to be basically the, the doctor house of the swine world, you know, the, the diagnostician identifying the, the rare diseases. Yeah, there is some of that. That Dr. House thing of what is it and how do we handle it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there is some of that. That's an important gap that we haven't had before. Nobody's done that before. So we're there to try to help. Wow. Lots of gaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other major there ones you, you want to talk about? Um, well, the, the next project. Yeah. The next project that we have going on. We haven't, um, we haven't exercised it yet, but we've used the, the example from the PED outbreak to develop what we're calling a rapid response core around the country. We've divided the country up into different regions, and within those regions, we're identifying veterinarians and, and um, subject matter experts that uh, say they will be available to help us investigate new outbreaks of diseases. One of the things that, that we exercised during the PED outbreak was what we called rapid response teams. And, and the, those were used in, in instances where we had an outbreak of PED, but we called it epidemiologically distinct. It's out there and there's no link to anything else that would cause that PED infection. Meaning there's no link, there's no clear feed truck delivery, yep. there's no... Okay. There's no line that we you We don't could know draw. where it came from. Don't know where it okay. came from. This farm could be out in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden it got PED. And there's no line that we could draw to that. We were very much in the learning mode with PED with that. We wanted to know how the PED got onto farms. Mm -hmm. And so we put together what we called rapid response teams. And that was with some USDA funding. They helped do that. That was a good thing. Um, and we sent these folks out onto the farms to, by, by invitation for the producer. There was, no, um, there was no authority to march onto the farm. Okay. But we went out onto the farms when the producer said, yeah, come on out, take a look. The rapid response teams, the teams worked very well. We did, um, we did five to eight of them, I think, and compiled that information, did very well with that. The rapid part was very bad. Okay. Sometimes it was a week or more after the outbreak. And when you go out onto a farm that's just had a problem, the farther away you get from the outbreak of that problem, the more fuzzy things get. Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing is we're putting, learning that lesson. And we're putting into place regions within the country where we have volunteers that say, yeah, we're gonna go do this. And instead of having to fly people across the country next week, they'll be able to drive to the farms within 72 hours and get there right away, get things set up. So that's basically a crisis management plan. Yeah, it's a response type of plan. And, and let's find out what's going on there as quickly as possible so we can do a better job at responding. Um, that is being formed. We're in the process of getting that formed this summer. Um, it's been a project that's gone on for a while, but I think we'll see it, that it will be operational yet this summer. Wow. So there's... There's three yeah. things that we're working that's really on. Good. Yeah. Here's your breaking news. Right. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Man, so the, the rapid response team, yeah. after they got there, even though it was a week later, were they able to find, uh, make the event less epidemiologically uh, Let's just say less distinct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> epidemiologically distinct. Yeah, epidemiologically okay. distinct. Yeah. 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 Um, 
that what they were able to do is they were able to make associations. Okay. And there were associations. They were able to find that, oh, wait a minute, nobody thought to tell us that there was a, a rendering truck gotcha. that showed up three days, three days before. Okay, now now there's starting to be some lines that are formed, for yeah, example. It was just you had to go beyond the yeah, first level. You of... had to go beyond the first level. Okay. And you had to do some investigation and find out. Uh -huh. Some of that pointed to feed again. Sure. Some of it didn't. But when you do five or eight or more of these things, then you start getting a better picture about the risks of introduction of these different viruses onto the farm. Man. That's, that's the important part. If we know where to put our fingers in the dike to plug the holes, mm -hmm. yes. then at least we can start plugging holes. Right. If we don't know where our leaks are, we don't know how to stop it. That's right. Wow, well, thanks again. Okay. Thanks again, Dr. Sumner. Yeah. really appreciate it. We'll let you get back right. out there and Very good. do your work. Again, that was Dr. Dr. Paul Sundberg, Dr. Squared, really. That's right. You know, I, I felt like Dr. Sundberg and I had a lot in common, given that uh, we both spent seven years in college, Delaney. Oh, really? Did you end up with two doctor-doctor degrees after your seven years? I ended up with an associate of arts degree and a bachelor of arts degree. So, yeah, a lot of similarities, you know. Yeah. We're, we're both mm -hmm. scholarly men, I think, is, oh. uh, is the takeaway. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I hope some folks uh, found some value there. And uh, if you are in the pork industry, be sure to keep on top of what they're doing at uh, SHIC. You know, the... PED was such a wake-up call, and mm -hmm. PED, of course, was followed by the avian influenza uh, epidemic, and both of those things, I, I think, opened our minds as industry to uh, how prepared we have to be for these viruses that can come in and, and really wreak havoc on, uh, on the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think that's why there's such a, such a big push to find a vaccine and have a plan for foot and mouth disease. Exactly. And, you know, I called it hoof and mouth. You did? The, during the interview. Oh, I, did, I don't think I, I even... I was really quick going in my head, foot and mouth, foot and mouth. No, no, no. Isn't that what babies get? Like, people? Shoot. Oh, baby, my gosh. Yeah. Like I say, my, my seven years wasn't spent uh, quite as well <laughs> as Dr. Dr. Sandberg's. But um, <laughs> on Monday, Delaney, we're going to have another conversation with Ted Seifert, one of our uh, favorite market analysts. We're going to talk about what's going on in the markets. And uh, then we've got some good stuff planned for the rest of the week, don't we? We do, yep. Are you going to stay cool today? It's going to get to uh, like 100 degrees. I, no, we, okay, so I have a couple of friends that wanted to go kayaking today. And so maybe today was, wasn't the best choice, but that's what I'll be doing all day. I don't know, you just flip your kayak over, you're wet, you flip it back over, you're, you're going to stay cool. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that easy. <laughs> I'm going to uh, go back and bale some hay in a tractor Ooh. without air conditioning. So yeah. Yeah, you're going to have more fun than I. At least I'll be in the water. That's true. All right. Well, Delaney, I am out of information. Should we uh, let the people get back to their weekend? Let's let them.